You're listening to It's Still Happening, the ancestral healing podcast for those of us who are creating lives of freedom, abundance, and belonging in the world and for cultural change. It's me, Ash Johns, your guide, host, and hopefully inspirational muse, who also happens to be a spiritualist, coach, strategist, and water worshiper. If you've been questioning your purpose, noticing some reoccurring generational patterns in your own life, and desire healing, transformation, and forward movement, you're definitely in good company, my friend. Welcome to my show. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to It's Still Happening with me, Ash. And I'm just glad that you're here for episode three. Here we go. And we're going to do our tune in now. And for this one, folks get really nervous or uncomfortable when it comes to invoking or praying out loud, especially. And it's something that I deeply love. I really enjoy it. And so I always instruct folks to just speak from the heart. Really just let your heart open and say the things that really matter to you in this moment. Take as many pauses as you need you know, just to align with what you really got to say. And sometimes it doesn't need to be all over the top. Simple, God is great, God is good, and we think of other food, you know? That's cool too. But I'm gonna do that right now. I'm gonna invoke, I'm gonna pray, I'm going to set an intention for this episode. And then I'm gonna leave space for you to do the same or to, to add your own invocation or intention slash prayer mantra, if you will to the back end of that. And I think this is gonna be really fun and powerful. So start thinking about what you're gonna say in the space following my voice. And while I'm doing this, the only thing you need to be doing, if you so choose, is to breathe and allow the words to speak and connect to you and your spirits. Let's go. Grand rising and beautiful day to all of the wonderful spirits, those known and unknown, to my wonderful ancestors and guides, to those who are listening, their higher selves and their ancestors and guides, to the lands in which we stand and work, the original keepers and ancestors of these lands. Thank you, we honor you. I ask y'all to put a blessing on this episode and every person who is listening, not just now in real time, but also in the future and the future's future. Allow the seeds of growth and healing and connectivity and brilliance and abundance and goodness to fall upon our shoulders in a way that vibrates out to every single spirit and soul that we connect to. I just ask for greatness and goodness. Thank you for empowering me in this space. Thank you for the humbleness to show up and may we all be protected that the space and the intentions of this episode and this podcast be untainted. Let the energy and the intention of this space be uprooted or disturbed in any way. All negative beings and entities, you are not welcome, but thank you for your existence. Peace and blessings. And at this time, you can go ahead and add your own words to this. And I'll continue breathing and aligning with the energies myself.
Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so it is, Ashe. All right, so, you know, even when the words get clunky, the intention and the energy and the heart and the whole moment of just recognizing stuff that people, beings, things um, outside of ourselves and that are not physical is powerful enough. It really is just to call them into the space and say, bless this and thank you for existing and may it be well and, and whatever is needed, let it happen, you know? It allows blessings and grace and collaboration amongst the spiritual realm so that it manifests with even more ease in the physical realm. I hope that was supportive for you and that you feel present here with me as we step into this third episode of It's Still Happening. And this episode, I really wanted to dive into the beginnings of the work that I do and the reason why I believe a lot of you are interested in this podcast or interested in my work. And if it's not me, interested in ancestors, ancestral healing, deeper personal development, conscious business, forward movement, inclusivity, creating freedom. Mm, 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 yeah, mm, 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 yeah, I can't sing either. So that's your one dose of entertainment. <laughs> performative entertainment, if you will. But to start diving into that and unpacking my perspective around ancestral healing and personal development specifically because they live together even though we oftentimes look at them separate. Especially since everything on the internet is like hashtag, hashtag ancestors, hashtag, hashtag ancestral healing, hashtag, hashtag, hashtag ancestral wisdom. And there's so many different approaches to that, which again, there will be an episode specifically devoted for that. But for right now, I just want to bring us into a way of thinking about this that's kind of preparatory, if you will, for that deep dive. There's a quote that I believe so many of us have read, but I'm going to bring it into here because I really love it. And it goes like this, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. By the great, maybe not so great in some people's eyes, C.G. Jung is what I say. And I know everyone says that man's name many different ways, but I say Jung. What I love about that quote, I remember when I first really started diving into personal development and self-help as a young adult as like a 20 year old woman even though i had been reading self-help books like i was the 11 year old 10 year old kid in the library in the self-help like non-fiction section i was all about that very early on when people were reading the babysitter's club i read the babysitter's club and like the alchemist and all this other junk not junk but things that i was i was interested in understanding myself and healing myself at a very young age and so this quote really, it stuck with me for the years, years and years and years, because I'd be like, what else am I unaware of? If I don't know what I don't know, how do I heal it? Like, I can say I don't like the physical manifestations of things happening in my life, but like, how do I get down to the core root? Like, these were things that like 13-year-old Ash was flipping out about in between worrying about if she could get a boyfriend and why she can't go to the middle school dance and how strict her parents were and if she wanted to be Christian or not. And also, by the way, spirits visit me in my sleep and I don't really know what to do with that. I'm a smoke weed though. <laughs> Actually, it's a lie. I didn't start smoking weed till I was like 14 or 15 and that didn't last very long. But, you know, I believe that you must first become aware before you can choose differently, before you can change any behavior and before you can actually get into the healing. 
And the first step is awareness, but awareness is not the healing in my opinion. Like that alone is let's start from there because right now with all of the Instagram memes and you know, the tweet this and share that and videos about this, a lot of what we're doing, we're in an age of awareness. And now that we're crossing into the age of Aquarius, I think the action will will continue learning. That is definitely another trend for 2021, particularly in the context of all this COVID stuff. Like we can't go and interact and have experiences in person. So we're going to continue learning philosophy, philosophizing, and trying to gather information on spirituality and healing and forward movement and growth right now. But I also believe that with all that information gathering, some of us are going to be stepping into implementing and taking new actions in our lives and inspiring others to do the same. Like the energy of momentum and movement is in the air and I super duper feel it. What has been happening and the rise of social media has contributed to this or rather as a reflection of it is that it's been a huge movement of awareness like think about it even within the context of social justice it's like there is no awareness people are saying I don't understand how I'm perpetuating these systems or how I'm holding on to this trauma I didn't see it I saw this as like this is what white people do this is what black people do this is what college educated people do this is what able-bodied people do this is what trans people do like all of these silos of just saying this is how we are as humans not really being aware of what that means in the intersection of other experiences and trauma and agreements and survival tactics and programs that have built up these cultures and ways of behaving. And that's a big part of my work. When I say cultural change, it is my freedom and what I'm deprogramming and reprogramming or programming for the first time or reclaiming and innovating and having a different flavor or energy of it is laddering up to a complete cultural change. For example, as a black woman, I often ask myself, what the fuck would black culture be like if it isn't defined off of 400 years of enslavement? and some odd number of years of Jim Crow and another number of years of still unbiased conscious, unbiased conscious, biased conscious, yeah, there we go. It sounds funny coming out of my mouth. You know what I'm saying though. How would we define ourselves as African descended people in this country if we do that healing, that reclamation and that forward movement? Black culture would be different. I mean, would we sing and dance differently? I don't know. Would our jokes change? I think so. Some of the things that we find to be funny is not funny. It's rooted in history and trauma of enslavement, of being ripped from our lands, you know? And I can speak about that as a black woman. And I wonder what that looks and sounds like as a person who embodies whiteness in this country. The first step to bring it back to what I've been talking about from the very beginning is that the first step, yes, is awareness, but awareness is not the healing. This is the reason why I love me some therapy. Please, my psychotherapist, my psychoanalyst, my school psychologist, all of y'all, you know I rock with you. Like my therapist, I, I am like, yes to. And if you're not in therapy, I highly suggest, I believe that, I'll just say this, I believe every person should go to therapy at least once in their life. And if you have the privilege to do it, or you can get on some type of sliding scale situation or exchange, I don't know if that's legal in that field, but therapy is needed, absolutely hands down no lie and my issue sometimes with therapy and the industry in my opinion is that it will have people constantly talking about and becoming aware of things and doesn't necessarily drive behavior change unless you do cognitive behavioral therapy obviously 
CBT is like, that's like the overlap, obviously. But sometimes just traditional talk therapy, people are talking and talking and talking and talking and talking for years and are never convicted or get the support they need to take action and shift some things in their lives. That's a tangent from another time. I know I'm gonna get a whole bunch of ats or like DMs being like, bitch, you don't know nothing. Best therapist rock. Like no knock on therapists. I love (laughs) y'all. I'm just saying from my perspective as I shouldn't even say that because the whole coach therapist thing is a whole hot topic. But I am going to say as a coach, but also as a healer, as a spiritualist, as a person who looks at the energy of something first and then look at the learned human behavior that supports that energy and the spirits that hold the energy, my approach is different. It's one of the reasons why I never went back to school to become an actual therapist. I was afraid that having that credential would hold me back from the range I get to work in as a spiritualist and coach. But again, a conversation for another time. Let's get back to this. Awareness is necessary. It is very powerful. Healing can come from awareness. Awareness is not 100% the healing. And let me tell you why. We can be aware of something. We can understand it in our minds. We can call it. We can label it. We can look at it from all of the directions. But if we don't embody the change in our behaviors and our thoughts, in our energy, in our relationships, and all these other aspects, and ancestrally, spiritually, the change doesn't really happen. And it doesn't happen at the level that I am interested in. Energy change is the important thing. And thoughts can shift energy, but changing your thoughts does not change the energy of ancestors who you are holding their energy in your body and you're also having their energy around you as living dead (laughs) the living dead folks around you therapy and talking is not going to change that they are sovereign beings and so when we talk about energy changing or energy transformation energy transmutation only happens when another new energy moves into the space That's literally the only way to do it. So when you sit back and well, let me take that back because there are other advanced levels of high magic and sorcery, which this here podcast is not about exactly. They know how to dissolve energy altogether into something completely new in a way more advanced way, needing no other energetic input beyond thought, will, and words, which again are also forms of energy. But let me not start talking in circles and kind of make make the point here. When we're looking to transmute energy, we need a new energy to come in. Words can be energy, thoughts are a form of energy, but in the context of spirits, spirits that are around you, spirits who are trying to protect you, spirits who are trying to protect something, systems and constructs and ways of safety and surviving, the energy itself becomes another energy. That's where we get into conversations around entities. And yes, I'm getting all the way woo woo in this. But when we're unconscious of these things, they are running our lives. They are alive and well in (laughs) non-physical, intangible, but very tangible ways. So it makes sense when we think about why we stay stuck and stagnant. People always say it's because of fear, but fear is just the experience that we're naming. The truth is that when we stay stuck in fear, we're deciding to stay in one known energy for whatever reason, trauma, programming, comfort, perceived uh, levels of comfort, instead of believing in, inviting in, and surrendering to a brand new energy that could be more serving. Let me say that again. The truth is, is that when we say stuck in fear, like when I ask people, what's got you, you know, where you're at? And they're like, fear. And I'm like, fear of what? And they'll like unpack it. 
But the truth is fear is just the word. It's just the experience that you're having, the energy, the way it feels. But what we're saying is we're deciding to stay in one known energy, right? For whatever reason, instead of believing in, inviting in and surrendering to a whole new energy that could be more serving and that could move us from stuck and stagnant to open and secure. Maybe that is, I think that I should play myself small. I, the real energy is I play small. I make myself small because I'm afraid, there goes the fear part, of being vulnerable and being seen. But if you actually pulled in the energy of, this is going to be triggering, privilege, I deserve to be here, worthiness, like who am I not to be big? Who am I not to be boisterous? Like that's a whole different energy. Those are words that describe an energy. If you were to bring that in and you're like, oh my God, that's scary. Like if I were loud and matter of fact and not give a fuck, like people would hate me. There's another fear. But if you brought that energy in and played with it and attuned it to something that was authentic to your spirit, boom, you would move out of that stagnant energy and right into something new that probably more than likely, more absolutely support you and your purpose and your becoming more than the old energy that was keeping you stuck and stagnant, the small energy, the I'm playing it safe energy. This energy can be manifested in the form of ideas, or I should say energy can be manifested in the form of ideas, belief, skills, ways of living, people, opportunities, possibilities, desires, teachings, ways of relating and talking to people. Like energy is so many different things. I just talked about desires in the last episode. That carried an energy. Every single one of those desires I said was an activating energy. So when you think about life in that context, we would become a lot more sensitive to the things that we say and do and who we're around and the energies that we call in based on what we want and who we're becoming. But right now we're like, oh yeah, it's just human to do that. It's no big deal. And then wondering why life continues to repeat the same patterns. And this, I'm only talking about this through the conscious lens of us as an individual and behaviors. I haven't even gotten to the ancestral part, which is still unconscious at this point. This is what I talk about that differentiates coaching and mindset work and therapy to actual spiritual work with spirits. We need this work and I want to get to the core, which has things to do outside of us. Does that make sense? I'm imagining you saying, yeah, or repeat that, Ash. <laughs> I'm sure you'll hit me on the internets and let me know. I'm happy to do a follow-up on this because it's a big one. When we often unconsciously stay in the same energy because of proof of survival, oftentimes we stay unconsciously in the same energy because it's proof of survival. When we unconsciously stay in the same energy because it's proof of survival, and we do this oftentimes unconsciously, I'm gonna say it that way, we rob ourselves of the opportunity to evolve into a new way of relating and existing that's most aligned with our freedom and our true self or selves. And I say selves because we have multiple parts of ourselves. There's the true you or the inner child or the core soul, and then you've developed all these different personalities or ways of surviving and relating with yourself based on your inheritance, how you were raised, what culture you were raised in, your family dynamics, your personal experiences, so on and so forth. So when we choose to stay, when our life gives us the evidence that you will survive or you will be safe by holding on to this energy, we will hold on to it. We will hold on to it with our whole 
everything until we see the evidence outside of ourselves as something new is different or something different is available. It could be new for us, which is the reason why representation matters, which is the reason why people want to be adjacent to someone that they admire because they want that energy. Unconsciously, they're saying, I'm, I'm attracted to that energy. Something in them is mirrors something that's inside of me and I don't know it yet, or I want what they want, which is a different energy, but... I want what they have. It's a different energy, but that's kind of what's going on. So if you've been around the self-help, the spiritual world, the personal development circuits for a bit now, none of this is illuminating light bulb moment. Like you've heard about making the unconscious conscious, working with energy, moving one thing for another, transmutation. Like none of that should be brand spanking new. And if it is, no worries. Like I'm down with that stuff. Like it is a part of what I do. I just do that work and then take it even deeper, which is what we're about to talk about right now. What I wanna talk about today in this episode is making the unconscious world of the ancestors and their impact and effect on our current living lives Right now, I wanna make that conscious. And so sometimes, this doesn't happen often. Most people already believe that there's quote unquote life after death. They already believe that ancestors are part of their lives in one way or another, or they're opening up to that idea. I don't get many people that's like, prove it to me. Like, where are the spirits? And if they did, I would be like, go figure that out for yourself. I'm not into the business of proving. I'm interested in serving the people who know that this is true already, whether their ancestors come through dream or they just have a premonition or they just have a feel that there is ancestral imprints and ancestral interference, if you will, in their lives, keeping them in a certain way and also blessing them in a certain way. Like I talk a lot about ancestral wounds and ancestral trauma and ancestral healing. There's also a lot of ancestral blessings and ancestral gifts and ancestral talents that's running up and down your lineage that can't be fully embodied. One, because there's all these curses or generational patterns and blockages going on, but two, because those blockages are repeating those same patterns in your lived life, which is making you scrambled about who you truly are. So you can't even embody those gifts, even if the line was clear, which goes back to the beginning part of this episode. It's absolutely a requirement to do both the personal development work and the ancestral healing work if we really want to have the impact and the movement as quickly as it can happen in this world right now. Sometimes folks actually all the time folks come to me and they're like, I don't know if this is me or if it's ancestral. It feels bigger than me, but in my life, and they start telling me all the stories about what's happened in their life. And I'm like, it's not either or, it's completely both. What our ancestors did before us has been passed down generation after generation after generation after generation, mother after mother after mother after mother, father after father after father after father, woman identifying or womb carrying person or penis popping person, (laughs) sorry. I am a little bit of a child sometimes when I say things like that. Forgive me. You know, those things are passed on generation after generation. It leaves an energetic imprint within the lineage. And then you wonder why your life is now reflecting the same energetic imprint. It's been passed down. There hasn't been any new energies to release or counteract or to transmute that vibration and that belief. It's worked. It's not been comfortable, it's not what they desire, it's not what they dreamed of, but it worked. And so it's like, hey, count your pennies, be frugal, don't do this, don't take risks, don't expose your heart because it happened a long time ago to your great, 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 great grandmother, great, 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 great grandfather. And we remember that in our DNA and they remember it because they whispered in your ear when you're not realizing you want to take a step forward or take a risk. And they're like, oh no, mm -mm, we remember that. We're not going to allow you to do that. Absolutely not. And you're like, 
I can't do this. I really want to do it, but I'm so afraid. It's not even your fear. It's their fear. And then as soon as you try to challenge to step outside of their fear, your life, because of the energy you're carrying and them being around you, your life gives them evidence that that's the wrong thing to do. Now you have your own personal lived experience that carries that energy. So now we have another generation inflicted with the same wound. That's the reason why the therapy and the personal development only for you is not getting to all the other stuff that's been passed on. We got to do the both. We got to get into this, the original wound and how it's been passed down and why and what's the antidote and how long does it take to clear it and what's any type of atonement or reconciliation that needs to happen while you do your personal work. Now we've got compounded healing happening in every direction. Now we can actually say we're, we're healing forwards and backwards because they're, they're kicking it. They're doing the work back there that's needed. All right? So this is essentially me saying that there's levels to this healing stuff. And we haven't even talked about the body. This is just mind and spirit. This is the science of psychology from an epigenetics perspective, really not even talking about environment, not talking about body, but just psychology as a science and spirituality as a practice with the dead, necromancy, psychopomp, elevation work, those two things working together. There's levels to this. And when you become aware of ancestors, that's awesome, but the deeper level of healing them helping them shift their energetic posture so that that healing can come through the whole line, that they can actually show up as well and wise ancestors, not like bitter and angry ancestors. And not to say that like when they cross over or when they're elevated, now there are these angelic shining for Like it's not about that. It's not about I want an ancestor who's never committed a crime. Like I don't care about that stuff. We're all human. We've all killed, raped, destroyed, pillaged, and we've all done some beautiful things, birthed babies and saved wars and all this other stuff. We've done it all. There's a prayer that I was given when I was traveling through Thailand from one of my elders who it's a beautiful prayer and I got it in Thai and then I got it in English and I would have to read the words both ways and it would just talk about asking for forgiveness and mercy from all the things that was done to me and then all the times I did all that stuff from everyone else and every position and every lifetime and every whether I was man woman child father daughter da 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 it's so thorough because it knows that we have these different connections in our lineages and in our different lives so there's levels to healing is the point that I'm trying to, to make. And I wanted to really talk about the relationship between your personal work, your personal development, and why ancestral healing, specifically ancestral lineage healing, is needed. We can become aware that is a beautiful beginning, but until you transmute energy at the core, you're still operating with, you know, looking good on the outside and can talk about these things, but nothing's really changed deep down inside. We're going into maintenance when we actually haven't even done the surgery. And so this is why I say with all due respect, methods of ancestral healing via the mind, therapy, somatic healing, all of that, within the context of just you as an individual being able to pinpoint ancestral wounds is only scratching the surface to what's needed. Until you connect directly with the ancestors and ask them what the wound is and heal it with them and then ask them to spread that throughout a whole lineage, we're only spot treating shit. I want thorough, I want depth, I want the ripple effect and like a beautiful shining sparkly spider web of healing where everything gets caught, everything gets cleaned up 
and not for perfection and to be shiny, but to just be like, these energies have been transmuted and we are ushering in the blessings and the goodness to evolve you, for you to experience what your ancestors wanted for you and for this world, this culture to shift. That is literally the vision that I hold. It's what I've been given. I have tried to squirm. I've tried to run away from it, but God damn it, that's what it is. So y'all are getting it today because I don't even remember what part of the script I was on. <laughs> so we're only scratching the surface in these other ways and not that they're not needed and not that they're not powerful i'm just saying let's go to directly to the ancestors too it's that they are the missing link fold them into all this other stuff and i think all of us would be hella shiny up in this world but we're only scratching the surface simply because ancestors the dead people don't heal through therapy they will show up and talk through you in therapy, but that shit is not gonna change them because they don't have brains and minds and things like that. They have an energy. You can sit and talk to them, but they are who they are. I don't, I've never seen an ancestor come and sit next to me in therapy and be like, oh yeah, okay, I reconciled that. Like, okay, let's do this. No, but that form is like the spiritual therapy is ritual. Their energy isn't transformed in that way because they're non-physical beings, but they will come to ritual. And we can invoke in different energies from old, old ancestors and have them align or shape ancestors if they are willing, if they are wanting, which is a part of creating a relationship with them and talking with them and telling them why you're here and what, you know, woes you're carrying and, you know, your heart is aching and the world is burning and, you know, you're concerned about your brother or your mother or your this or your that and you're seeing these patterns. Tell them and see what they will say and what they will do. Ancestors can show you how their energies are affecting you through therapy, but the spirit and the original wound hasn't changed in them, and so it hasn't changed in you at the root level due to you sharing energy and DNA with them. That's my philosophy on it. I'm happy to talk about this with, I have quite a few therapy friends and clients, and so I'm sure this will be a good hot topic to get into, and I'm down for that. I would love to explore this a little bit more. This is how I see it. This is how I experience it. This is how the healing unfolds, and yeah, it's also interesting because I know quite a few of therapists, PhD levels, real academics who are doing this work that I'm talking about, working directly with the ancestors. So for that, we need quote-unquote spiritual therapy, as I like to call it, or aka ritual, to come into consultation with these energies that are bigger than those that the ancestors in question, who are in pain and struggle, are stuck in the cycle, are experiencing, so that we can have an intervention, we can have an elevation, we can have a healing with the ancestors. So once they're healed, you can now go and continue doing your healing, embody their healing and the blessings, and now we're doing the damn thing. And I know it to be true, because let me tell you something, it's taken me a long time to be able to talk about this work. I've had to go through different things and sign up for different this and that's in order to heal and have my people really backing me. And now they were like, listen, we're, we're a yes for this. We've always been a yes for this. You now have to continue doing your personal work to believe it and to continue unfolding and peeling off the programming and your personal live life that prevents you from believing that we're backing you and that this is your life's work and calling. So there's a personal tidbit to just give you a little flavor of what it's like when you really continue doing your personal work and your people are healed up and backing you. It's just like, well, how can I not do my life's work? Which now you probably have an insight into why it's personal development, psycho-spiritual coaching, ancestral healing and coaching, and conscious business work. When you do these other two, you're crystal clear on what your life's work is. You want to align with that in a conscious way to bring it to the world. 
in some cultures, what I'm talking about, this work is called elevation work. It's called cycle pump work. You can Google that. Necromancy work, conjuring up the dead, healing them, working with them, elevating them, speaking goodness over their their lives. There's different ways of doing that, which I am not going to talk about in here. Some of that is very much so a closed system. But the way that I do this, it is not a closed system. And so calling forth the consciousness of the dead to transmute and heal for a greater purpose is real life's work. It really is. And it's something that we all need to do because a long, long, long time ago, we had rituals for the dead to elevate them and hold them and love them and bless them and ask them to release whatever they needed to so that they can be accepted into the ancestral realm so they can advise so that their wisdom and their blessings can flow down you know when you look in the bible there's how many stories about the father being cursed and they curse the children and the children's children because of him you know doing something that was off the charts and wrong societally or to the gods or to the spirits and so he got cursed they didn't curse just him they cursed the children's children what do we think that is and when we see in different movies and in culture the father or the mother's on the deathbed and they're like bring the children let me give them a blessing let me let me speak my truth so i can die in peace so that they can go and be rest in peace right we're dying left and right we just had we're still in a global pandemic where there's so many people dying that cannot be honored, haven't been buried properly, family has never seen them. There's so much work to be done around this. Everyone loves Black Panther. They love seeing the dad in the purple place, you know, all in like a cross between this other world, like Afro-futuristic type thing slash Lion King going on. And he visits the father and the father gives him the wisdom. Like, what is that? The father was honored. He died the way that he died. He's in the ancestral realm and can now visit and give the word that is needed. But we're getting words and things and petitioning and asking for stuff for ancestors who haven't been elevated, aren't blessed, haven't been, you know, held in the bosoms of older ancestors who remember the old ways we're off of the lands there's no ritual like what we're in like spiritual crises so let me get back to this before i like keep going on this whole <laughs> i'm hoping y'all are still enjoying this but here's the thing people ask me how can they determine what is what is them and what's their ancestors and as i said earlier i get this in my consult intake forms all the time the answer is always both there is your personal experiences and there are them they have been manifested because of the experiences of ancestors so it's kind of double-edged sword you're getting it from both you can cut from both directions so I tell people sometimes after I get into a consult, I let folks know, depending on where they are in their personal development journey, they might just need to do psycho-spiritual coaching. You might just, need, whether it's with me or anybody, you might just need to do coaching to understand who you are, trust yourself, become more confident in who you are, like open your voice a little bit, like get some winds underneath your wings so that when you step into work working with ancestors, you're like, oh, okay. I noticed that my body and my nervous system responds in this way. Oh, I'm talking to the ancestors now. Like there's a trust and a personal understanding of yourself that I think is really necessary before you get into ancestor work. Otherwise you're giving away your power, you're guessing, you're reaching, you're asking all these questions, wanting to be saved by them as opposed to coming into right relationship with them. A relationship of reverence and also that you have power too. It's never a good idea to give your power to anybody all the way. That's just not how it rolls. We're all divine beings, ancestors included, you included, me included, right? 
Another reason besides being in right relationship with ancestors that this is important is because some folks who, when you haven't done your personal development and you don't believe and trust yourself and you can't open up into vulnerability, you can't even open up to what ancestors are saying. They could be speaking to you in another language that if you trusted and you listened to yourself and you listened to them, you would be able to translate it. But you're still in your mind of being like, this is crazy, this doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, as a kid I used to see things, but that doesn't make sense now. So we're spending all this time fighting with you to allow your true self to embody and be open to this exchange but you're not willing to do it because you need to do more work to come back to yourself first you get to a certain point of coming back to yourself and now you can really be open with ancestors you can be like oh this is my spiritual gift which is something i tell people all the time when you're doing ancestral healing work it always activates your true gifts whatever clear cognizance clairvoyance like whatever spiritual gifts you've got they always start to come alive because they're exercising them through you. It's necessary. The very act of doing ancestral healing directly with ancestors, might I add or emphasize, is that you're learning how to reconnect and be sensitive to the spiritual realm in a way that you haven't in a long ass fucking time. Maybe a lot of people in your family haven't in a long time. And so there's a reattuning to the spiritual realm with the help of ancestors and you get to do it with a guide, whether that's me or somebody else, it doesn't really matter. At this point, I just wanna see the work happening. I wanna see the work all over the world and see what we all do with it. Oh my gosh clearly going on way longer than I ever thought I was going to but I hope that this all even sounds great and y'all are getting the real it's gonna be funny to like come back and listen to these first episodes and be like wow ash like damn damn girl <laughs> and I'm gonna keep them I'm gonna keep them because it's beautiful to be able to go back and see your healing and your growth so there's another quote that I love by a very, very amazing, amazing being who is part of one of my lineages, or rather I'm, I'm a part of his, and that is the great Rumi. One of the quotes says, he who cannot discover himself cannot discover the world. And I really believe that. There's something about, and I'll even tell y'all, I have to do a whole nother episode on this too. <sighs> there's a theme going on. <laughs> Every time there's an episode, I'm like, gotta do an episode about that. The type of coaching I do is called psychosynthesis, and it's the belief by this dude, Robert Asagioli, who was like a psychiatrist, psychotherapist, that we have these multiple personalities and sub-personalities that were born and created in order to help us deal and cope with this world, right? And that they help, but also hold you back. <laughs> Couldn't get the word out. Hold you back from your true divine self, your true self. And so you, there's a process of identifying and disidentifying with them. Is this really truly me? And what I've noticed over you know the last few years is that there's a line of something truly being you and being a personality that was developed to help you and your inner self and sometimes hinders you. And then where that line is crossed where it's an actual ancestor or entity. And that's normally when people, when they're coaching with me, I know that they're ready for ancestral healing because they're like, actually, Ash, like this isn't me. This is this is beyond me. Like there's a part of that that's truly me. And then there's a part that mm, I don't even know that vibration. It reminds me of, and then they start talking about family members or the, the energy, the family member, the ancestor will start to speak through them. And I'm like, yep, that's it. So doing the personal development work is so necessary in my opinion before you get into ancestor work ancestral healing work not just ancestor connection work not ancestor veneration work you can do that anytime you can connect and ask questions to whoever you want 
you know you can venerate and honor whoever you want fine but as far as ancestral healing changing the energetic patterns and vibrations with actual ancestors so that it shifts the energetic vibration of a whole lineage including yourself that needs in my opinion for you to do some personal work first so you can trust yourself you can know who you are and you can tell the different vibration between you and what you've created and what you've inherited when you start exploring who you are and who you've always been, your desires, your dreams, your goals, your wants, all those things, you quickly start to realize what family, ancestral, and cultural programming inside of you that is helping and hindering you, right? It becomes really crystal clear. You'll be like, for example, for me, I was like, I want to be an artist. And I remember the day that one of my grandmother's boyfriends looked at me and he was like, Hey, and he called me my childhood nickname, which I will not say on this podcast right now. We got to get a little bit more close in community for that. <laughs> he was like, you know, Ashley, good luck with that because artists never make money and you like nice things. And I remember feeling my heart crush inside that part of me, that free spirited, creative artist girl, just, she just gone, dead, murked, floated off my body right? And so when you start to, again, do your personal work to reclaim those parts, you're going to be like, man, why did he say that? The whole world thinks that art isn't valued or that we shouldn't pay for it. Why is that? You start to unpack these things and be like, that's not true. Then you get into, and you trust that it's not true. Then you get into the ancestor work and they're like, oh yeah, let's talk about that. There's once upon a time we stopped being an artist and the line because blah, 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 blah. And they'll start telling you all the things and how, what's the healing for that particular wound that you then experience in your own life, but it's been passed down. So I'm going to stop because this is probably the longest episode of these first few that I have done. Um, it seems like when I get into the ancestor stuff, they want to talk, we want to talk, everything just starts connecting all over the place. Definitely go back and listen to this a couple times because it was just falling out of my mouth. But I do want to walk away with a couple things, right? If you got your notebook, I want you to write this down. Number one, the healing never ends whether it's personal development work, personal discovery work, personal acceptance work, all that, it never ends. And neither does the healing with the ancestors. I can go and talk to my people all the time and they're gonna have another thing that needs to be said or dealt with on an individual level, on a system, lineage level, and a cultural level. And the more that you discover yourself, the more you can connect with the ancestors. And the more that you go directly to them and cultivate that relationship, the more that you will start to see things shift in your life and in the world around you. It truly is mind, body, and soul. And I haven't even talked about the body piece. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we are here to make the unconscious conscious within ourselves and with the ancestors themselves or the spirit around themselves. Awareness of self-consciousness, making awareness of self-conscious, making the awareness of the ancestors conscious. Then we can move into choice. We can move into energy transmutation. We can move into behavior change. We can maintain, we can test, we can play, we can challenge, we can cultivate. We can do all these things. Relationships will change and we can watch to look at the results being different. But first, awareness is important. Personal level awareness, ancestral awareness. I want to leave with this thing because everyone comes to me with these three things around ancestral healing. 
And I want you to journal about what's your thing, either calling you into ancestral healing or stopping you from doing it and you know you wanna do this work. The three most common fears I get with from people around ancestral healing, regardless to, again, race, gender, economics, sex, everything, is fear of what they will find out, worried that they'll be re-traumatized from terrible things of the past, which to me is interesting. I wanna know the things so we can heal them. Like, let's go. I remember as a kid, I would be like, I wanna see the needle going in when I'm getting my immunizations. Don't be trying to surprise me. Let me see this, because I know I'm getting healed. Let me, let me, don't play with me. <laughs> but that's just me. But that fear of what you will find out stops the potential for healing. And that goes back to the things that we talked about earlier. Wanting to stay unaware or in the dark because you're afraid of what illumination will call you into. And yes, there's a responsibility for healing. I'm not gonna lie, it's true. Number two is worry that they will not be able to connect, that they're not capable of spiritual connection, that they're unworthy of being connected to ancestors. And to me, that one is where the personal development work comes in because every one of us has the birthright to be connected spiritually as spirits on this planet in this physical earth body, but also it's your birthright to be connected to your ancestors. You are their greatest prayer. Someone willed you into being, even if it wasn't conscious, their body did it. Your soul chose to be here. I have to remind myself that all the time. <laughs> so if I had it my way, I'd be like, okay, tap, tap, I'm done. Beam me up, Scotty. But that being afraid that you won't be able to connect is a huge one. Let's do the personal work as to why you think that you can't or that you're not worthy of it. And the third one is guilt and fear of making a spiritual connection based on religious dogma and programming. This is absolutely, particularly, and especially for those who grew up Christian or have a Christian background. I myself came from a Christian background, a Pentecostal Christian background, where it was holy water and speaking in tongues and all type of spiritual things happening inside of a black conjure church house. And yet connecting with ancestors, I have family members right now who are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing exactly what we did in church that you taught me and that we all know exactly what I'm doing. So think about that. What are your common fears that are keeping you from doing this work for yourself and your people in this world? And also what exactly is calling you to it? Because you wouldn't be here listening to my voice and this work and these people who are with me if you weren't, yeah? As always, I'd love to hear and see how this episode resonated with you or what it brought up with you at me on Instagram at Ash Inspires. Find me on Twitter at Hey Ash Inspires, Facebook, all those things. You know how to use it. You know how to do it. I'm sending love to you wherever you are. May you be blessed and well. Happy New Year, folks. And don't forget, whatever you do, however you do it, especially with answering these questions. Don't forget to do it with courage and compassion. Okay, now I'm out.
Hey y'all, if you like this episode of It's Still Happening podcast, I would love to hear about it and see it all across the interwebs, okay? So you can find me at Ash Inspires on Instagram, on Facebook, and hey, Ash Inspires on Twitter. Go ahead and tag me and, you know, tell me, share with people what inspired you, what did my message stir up, and what are you thinking, what you're going to do about it? I'd love to know. And if you want to get more intimate with me, feel free to visit my website at ashleyjohns.com. Till then, be well.